Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Purple Heisen podcast, Perilous Plan. And we have Laura and Fu'u. And Laura, if you want to introduce yourself, because this is your first time on the PH podcast. Sure. Um, I'm Laura. I um, have been on the Midnight Pokemon podcast a few times, um, but I also read Purple Hyacinth and it's so good. Um, I am in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I have a couple cats. Um, I My voice is really raspy and I have a little bit of a lisp because I had surgery a couple months ago and um, I'm still recovering. So bear with me. I actually figured it was from that, but I was like, I'm not going to mention it. So, <laughs> Hello, I'm Poot. I've been here a couple times or more than a couple times. I've been here many times. So um, yeah, I love PH a lot and we'll probably be in a lot more podcast episodes. Yep. <laughs> well, all right. So this episode opens up in the cave and they are continuing their fight. Kieran has just basically knocked Lauren out because Lauren got distracted because she remembered the train bombing, Dylan. And of course that gets her mind going and boom, she's on the floor gazing up into space. <laughs> so Kieran tells her, stay focused. If you can't finish telling me what you know, then I can't tell you about my lead. And she actually admits that she lost focus. She said, I lost focus. I'm sorry. While not looking at him in the eye, which I find very honest of her. And the fact that she's telling him this literally on their first day, um, you know, the guy that is like, how much trust can she have in him already? I think that's very honest of her. I was impressed that she did that. Yeah. Um, I also found a lot of symbolism in the shadows and lights of this episode. Um, I paid attention to when their faces were in shadow, when their faces were in light. And um, I, I'm guessing it has some meaning. Um, so in this first panel, Kieran's face is completely in the shadows. Um, so he's like still remaining mysterious and like not divulging anything just yet. And when Lauren looks up at him and says, I lost focus, I'm sorry. Part of her face is in the shadow and part of it's in the light. So like she admits, like you said, Mindy, yeah, I'm, I lost focus. She was being honest about it, but she didn't say why she lost focus. She didn't say, I just had a flashback from the most traumatic day of my life. Um, yeah. uh, I noticed this in the last episode in, I believe, episode 11. There's this one panel of Garen where his face is like half in the light and half in the shadow and I don't really remember the contents or context of what he was saying in that moment but yeah the lighting in this scene uh going from episode 11 to episode 12 is I'd say pretty symbolic so Kieran tells her try not to fall asleep when you're sparing an assassin sparring with an assassin next time and again it's interesting you know, we talk a lot about Kieran's self-image. So he is completely flippant about himself as being an assassin. 
which shows you the level that he's reached of kind of maybe desensitization. Um, it's kind of, it's a way that some people I think deal with the pain of something that really is so overwhelming for them. They just make it into a joke. So I think this is what he's doing over here and what he does all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's comfortable. He understands um, the gravity of what he does and he's comfortable calling himself an assassin because he accepts that that is what he is. So I guess you could say in some way it's healthy and in some way it's so screwed up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 It could be a way to cope with the fact that that's what he does. That's his living. He just has to own it. But I think it's also um, with like the cocky little smile on his face in this panel. It also shows like just how confident he is in himself. And, um, and then it, the next panel, when Lauren says, thank you for that insightful advice, but you should worry about yourself instead. Like she needs his confidence right there. Like they both have such bravado and they're so, they're so cocky. <laughs> and I don't know, honestly, that Kieran would want to pair up with someone who wasn't as cocky as he was. Mm -hmm. um, Kieran likes, he, Kieran and Lauren spar a lot, like not just physically, but like vocally. They, they have a lot of banter and I think Kieran sort of enjoys that, like having someone to talk to and someone who like he can sort of, again, spar with, you know, company. Yeah, he says later on, um, he kind of says he's, she's her, his equal in stubbornness and they definitely are very well matched in many ways. And she, speaking of like being confident, she tries to knee him um, in his private parts basically. And, but he blocks her. <laughs> so I like this. Um, I think that's just amusing. You know, he still has the knife there, but he manages to block her. He, he doesn't let anything slip past him either. Um, you know, and he, he makes fun of her. He says, it's not so easy. And then she grabs the wrist that's holding the dagger. Um, he drops it. I think she makes him drop it. And she does some kind of move with her knees and his legs and flips him over and slam he's on the ground but Kieran's reaction again is not one of you know being insulted or frightened he laughs he smiles he said that was pretty good officer not lying mm -hmm. <laughs> so he appreciates it like we said he appreciates someone who was his equal otherwise mm -hmm. it would be boring for him and he admires her as well and her skill set mm -hmm. that's awesome and this <laughs> a particular um exchange between them is also mirroring their first exchange when she was chasing him across the rooftops in chapter three in episode three mm -hmm. except the first time she had him pinned to the ground and then he flipped her over and pinned pinned her to the ground and now it's flip-flopped yeah she's <laughs> like pinning each other to the ground <laughs> they're learning from one another and honestly Kieran is such a nice break for Mr. Evans like Kieran is drinking that respect women juice he is chugging it that's funny, right? That's like the last thing. He's like, well, on one hand, he's an assassin. On the other hand, he respects women. <laughs> but to choose. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I, will, I will put in a note at this point for um, some of us who are a little more mm, lustfully minded. It's just a very nice position to be seeing Kieran from. <laughs> so I'll put in a word yeah. for the band who thinks that way. <laughs> Again, in this panel, he is half light, half dark. Mm. of his face at least yeah see food snow is an important thing as well i have other things on my mind <laughs> sorry 
I am rarely a simp, but I always a simp. What else am I doing here if not for simping? <laughs> so um, Lauren, again, with the verbal spars, he says, thanks. Knocking you down is like a stress reliever for me. Anyway, to continue. And now we're getting to the plot part again. It was already known that a group of rebels was forming, but there was a rumor they tried to bomb the castle, not the train station. Mm-hmm. So the police were reinforcing security at the wrong place. Definitely important to know. Mm-hmm. And so go ahead. Um, oh, sorry. No, I'm just listening. It's nothing I have to okay. say yet. So now we have an image of the police. Um, looks like they're coming to the wreckage of the ATS, uh, the stream. And she continues by announcing themselves in clear opposition to the monarchy. The Phantom Scythe sent a very strong message. They would consolidate power in the dark until the day they could overthrow the crown and the class hierarchy it relies on. So interesting. So, you know, it's interesting. I didn't actually realize she had said that she mentioned the hierarchy this early on in the comic and that she's aware that it's um, something that the Phantom Scythe is against so kudos and then she says all right get up and of course kieran he can't just get up like a normal person he has to get up in the most dramatic way ever like doing this weird backflip just mm-hmm. so cute <laughs> um so about the phantom scythe and what we learn about this we get a motive for the phantom scythe at first they seem like a pretty surface level terrorist group of course we meet Chris Schaefer and like all he's doing is trying to bomb a theater but here and so we kind of think that they're just doing violence for the reason doing violence in the or in the name of the Phantom Scythe but here we learn that what they want to do is they want to overthrow the class hierarchy and the crown because relies on the class hierarchy and so by taking down the crown they take they essentially symbolically sort of take down that hierarchy and on paper what's what i find kind of interesting is that it it actually seems a bit like a noble cause if you think like the more you think about it because a class hierarchy although it can be motivating for some oftentimes it is very harmful to others specifically those lower down on it who are villainized and um, oppressed and the same class hierarchy can, ha- in our world, this class hierarchy does have a history rooted in racism and other issues related to oppression. And so when you think about taking down this class hierarchy, it, it's, I would say it's a bit controversial because we all have grown up in this class hierarchy and it's all that we've ever known. And to think of a world without the class hierarchy, you kind of think of like communism, I guess. But, and communism has also a history of not doing so well. And so it's a interesting issue because um, in this world, the Phantom Scythe is probably most closely related to um, communism. And we see groups in this comic with other political ideologies and other economic ideologies but if I had to tie this to the real world, that is what I would uh, compare it to. I think that's a, a fair comparison. Oh, sorry, Mindy. Um, I think that's a, a fair comparison, um, uh, especially since as we learned in previous episodes, uh, no one knows who the leader 
the leader is of the Phantom Scythe and he, whoever the leader is rules from the shadows and like rules with intimidation and fear and violence, which is what we've seen in a lot of communist societies, mm -hmm. lots of fear and intimidation. And um, I think it's interesting in this, in this panel when Lauren is speaking, um, again, she's like mostly in the dark, um, but the part where she's reaching towards Kieran is in the light. And she says, all right, get up. Um, so it's like, she is probably in a higher, I mean, she's definitely, we see that she's in a higher level of the hierarchy. Um, she's in like high class. She might not be like super, super, super duper rich or whatever, but she's like high class. And Kieran, an assassin working for the Phantom Scythe, we would assume, I mean, he's got money, but he's probably considered fairly low class. And so I think it's, again, showing the symbolism of like them coming together to, mm -hmm. I guess what the Phantom Scythe wants, what their, what their agenda is to have to get rid of that class hierarchy. But um, I guess they're doing it in a way to get rid of the Phantom Scythe because the Phantom Scythe is so awful. Mm -hmm. And there's a line in episode 11 where Kieran says that Lauren would be surprised um, about what people are willing to do when they're hungry. And that def I would say that definitely comes or that definitely stems from a place of understanding of where the Phantom Scythe is coming from. Although Kieran may not necessarily agree with what the Phantom Scythe is doing as like, you know, he's trying to take them down. He definitely understands why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, and it's kind of following their um, their pattern because Lauren says the Phantom Scythe, they would consolidate power in the dark until the day they could overthrow the crown. But that's what Lauren and Kieran are doing right now. They're literally in the dark of the caves. They're they're consolidating their power together to overthrow the Phantom Scythe. Parallels. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of brings up an interesting idea. Like, um, Kieran and Lauren, they sort of parallel the Phantom Scythe. Um, with Lauren, we see that she is um, kind of driven by obsession. And she, she is also driven by what she thinks is right. And that is kind of what we see with the Phantom Scythe as well. They are, they too are driven by an obsession to do what they think is right. In this case, they think that taking down the monarchy and taking down the um, class hierarchy by any means necessary is the right thing to do. And, you know, it kind of brings up the interesting debate of like, what if, what if they are right? And how do we know that they're not right? in what they do, um, to what end is this justified and what is the best way to reach the means of revolution? Yeah, I definitely think you can draw parallels between especially Lauren and the Phantom Scythe because going mm -hmm. through an orthodox means to get to your end. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Phantom Scythe may be terrorists, but Lauren also teamed up with the most infamous criminal in the entire city besides maybe like, you know, the leader, but uh, yeah. the Phantom Scythe, or the PH is probably more widely publicized because the PH is more often in the public spotlight due to the assassinations and the flowers. But yeah, so again, um, both what the Phantom Scythe is trying to do is they're trying to create a better life for the people in the lower class, or that's what they claim to do. And what Lauren is trying to do is she is trying to stop needless death by the hands of terrorists and both are using um again so they parallel each other by using uh what 
could be considered immoral means. Mr. Uh, immoral means here <laughs> um, gets up dramatically, says a heartwarming warming cause, isn't it? Again, being sarcastic. I've noticed that when he's the sarcastic, it's not highlighted as a lie. I guess it's understood that it's sarcastic, like especially several times later, he says stuff that's like clearly supposed to be sarcasm. Um, he takes out his sword or he puts away his sword, I think. Yeah, he, he puts a sword in, back in his pants and a sword of dagger. So he puts in the back. And he says, considering the leaders a mystery, no one knows his real goal. Interesting. Especially because we kind of sense he has a personal vendetta against the leader. And we'll find out more also. But even he, who should understand most, at least of anyone that we know so far, doesn't even know what his real goal is. Mm -hmm. And he says, justice, revenge, making the world a better place, right? He, in quotation marks, lure the desperate in. Money and power kept them and attracted them were corrupt. Again, totally not a surprise. They won't be the first organization that started out that way and ended up terrible. Like, welcome to the world. <laughs> um, and just to point out, his the, the lighting of this panel as well. He's half in the shadow, half in the light. So he's like opening up to Lorna about what's happening. But it's all very dark stuff. And he is facing the dark. The light is coming from behind him. The part where he's talking about justice, making the world a better place is in the light. And the part where he's talking about money and power and corruption is in the dark. <laughs> oh, oh, that's interesting. I did not catch that. I, yeah, I didn't think consciously about the light. But now that you mentioned it, Laura, I'm like, hmm, well, you notice more things. And she says, you know, Lauren, again, being sarcastic right along with him. And I bet you joined because killing is your guilty pleasure. And he says, oh, if we start talking about guilty pleasures, this conversation is going to get long. Uh, <laughs> open up have a way of making Kieran like him. <laughs> yeah, it's just hilarious these two are so funny we like him and then he says don't worry though officer you're not one of them oh my god he's just insulting like yeah even if you don't want to be someone's guilty pleasure you want you kind of want them to like you know want you to be their guilty pleasure you know so he looks so darn Lauren is just deadpan Yes. <laughs> um, and Kieran yeah. is gesturing for her to continue the spar. And so she just looks at him like, are you kidding? <laughs> and then re resumes the sparring with like a really aggressive move. <laughs> Roundhouse kick. Um, and I think this interaction, this, these next set of panels, um, says a lot about who the two of them are. So this big roundhouse kick um, is bold, it's big, it's powerful, it's strong. It's also super obvious. She's not really <laughs> hiding anything, um, and but Kieran moves quickly out of the way, and that shows that he's like really fast. He's perceptive. He's sneaky. He's deadly, and he's also experienced in this type of fighting. Mm -hmm. yeah, oh yeah, got his dagger at her throat. <laughs> right. It kind of shows their characters a bit now that you mention it. Like Lauren is more brash. She's more obvious. While Kieran is more stealthy and quiet. Yeah, I mean she. Yeah, we'll see. She can't keep her emotions in check. Like she just has outbursts. And Kieran keeps things close to his chest. Mm -hmm. So she, while she's doing that, you know, dramatic move. Actually, now we're gonna talk about drama. Hello, Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> she 
He says, how could anyone believe that blowing up a train station and killing hundreds of innocent people could possibly be the start of a better world? And I also understand why she's doing that move. I feel like she's putting her personal anger into that move because this is very personal for her, right? I mean, this is, these are people that she knew, you know, besides for Dylan, there's also other, um, you know, the father, I'm sure other people that she may have known. Um, so she's personally angry about that, right? And again, you know, Kieran got, gets her pinned. <laughs> he has his dagger at her throat, his arms around her. She's stuck within him, within um, his arms. And he says, I think half their members don't really care. And the other half believe it was necessary. So again, showing the interplay with one half kind of like the end justifies the means and mm -hmm. the other half being in it just for themselves, you know, mm -hmm. personal gain. Selfish, and, you know, whatever. That's where people do desperate things. And I would guess, you know, the Allendale train station bombing, it's such a drastic thing that the only way someone would want to do that is if they had no other option. And they believed that violence was necessary and violence was the best option in this case. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. One thing that I, I don't know if I should mention politics here. One thing I relate to this personally is um, my mom's is really... And I grew up with a ton, a ton, a ton of stories. And Israel was a very big part of our lives. And um, one of the things I understood as I grew up was that there, there were different states, uh, sorry, there were different groups involved in like the founding of the state of Israel. And some of them are defi were definitely considered terrorist groups. And um, there was a lot of infighting because half the groups believed that the other groups were doing abominable things. And they said, no, this is justified because we have to start the state. So, and it's something that is still very hotly debated today. And so I totally relate this a lot where um, they're like, well, you know, it's justified, it's not justified um, and terrorism in general. <laughs> it's, it's interesting uh, hearing you two ladies talk. Um, it makes me think of um, something I talk about with my colleagues. I work as a, I teach private music lessons, but I also lead music therapy sessions. And sometimes during music therapy sessions, um, our clients will act out in a very aggressive or um, uh, like, I don't know, dangerous manner. Like you have, you have to be careful not to get hit sometimes. Um, and what, what we've, what I've learned over the years of my work is that when people act out in violence and aggression, it's because they feel like they're not being heard or they don't know how to communicate in any other way. Mm -hmm. So, um, so like you were saying, the people of the city, that's the only way they knew how to communicate that they were desperate they were not being heard that there was no other way that they could get their message across they had to resort to this really violent act mm -hmm. and i guess going back into karen's line about like people will you'd be surprised what people will do when they're hungry it although it doesn't really explicitly say this if like we really really looked into it i would imagine that these people have families and that these people have kids and kind of just the image of starving children, especially if they're your own children, is horrifying and it's traumatizing. And it, you know, when you bring children into the mix, it kind of makes their actions seem more understandable. Definitely. So um, he tells her, <laughs> right after saying, you know, this a serious statement, he gives a little smirk and he's like, oh, you're dead, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just being funny and she says what the how did you do that which again I, I like because it shows she's openly admitting her appreciation and admiration for his skill so you know on the one hand they go back and forth and they tease each other but this they're both 
complementing each other openly at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. And their faces are both completely in the light when they do that. Oh, because they love each other. <laughs> I know it's too early. Hey, we listen. are 13 episodes in, including the prologue, and no, you're no. already like, and you're already being the pastor at their marriage. Hello, listen, if Disney, if every single Disney prince and princess can fall in love after like less than 24 hours together, and trust me, I count I, in every single Disney movie I watch, I count how many days have passed. And it's usually like the next day they can do it too. This is their second day meeting. I mean, this is totally following the timeline. I mean, Disney magic. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, it's funny, I can make fun of it all I want, but my husband and I got, we met on Sunday, we met on Tuesday, and by Saturday, we were decided to get married. So, and, and blonde date, we had ne- we'd never met each other before. So, and look oh, at us, 11 oh. years later, still happily married. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it does happen. And honestly, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say that the irony is, I grew up in a super religious society where everyone, it was like kind of basically arranged marriage, and everyone got, all my relatives got engaged on the third date, and I was like, I'm never going to do that, because I was the rebel, and I was like, I became more modern, I was like, I didn't want to date for forever, I'm not going to do what my family does, and lo and behold, I did the same thing, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when voluntarily. It's right, it's right. <laughs> what? When it's right, it's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so... <laughs> so uh da, da, da. so now he Lauren uh Kieran takes his dagger and we see again his training equipment in the background with like these fake people on the back here's like okay you know he practices killing people basically and he throws it and it lands directly in the head of one of those fake targets boom <laughs> and then he teases her gonna have to hit the department gym more often if you want to survive your little partnership officer smirk smirk I roll, I roll. <laughs> this is just a constant between them. And now she asks him, what do you know about the leader? And you notice here, and he points to it, he has a murder board in the background, just like Lauren. <laughs> You're right. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, they're the same. They're basically very similar. <laughs> Which is why I think pastoring their marriage, food, because they're just... <laughs> like the same person (laughs) um this panel also is the first time in a while that the um the angle changes because for the past little bit it's been like super close on their faces face 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 just kind of like super zoomed in on them but then she asked what do you know about the leader so taking it back to their why they're meeting together but it's like you're looking at the entire cave here Mm-hmm. I don't, he also I don't has know. The board in his bedroom part, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like Lauren near the bed, so they can go to sleep and wake up looking at their obsession. Very healthy. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know, some people have these vision boards of like things they want to do with their life, like vacations in Hawaii and like I don't know, music or dance or things that make them happy. It's like they they have their how you know how to get rid of the leader, how to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also, um, I imagine, I don't know exactly how the cave is set up, but it seems like they're fairly close to the entrance still when they started sparring. But like the further into the cave you get, like the darker it gets. And also that's where like the deeper into their obsession they get. <laughs> that's where the board is. You gotta go super far in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... The spar was a bit personal for Lauren, so it makes sense that 
it would be closer and we're focusing on their banter. So um, suddenly zooming out kind of shows an end to that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a good segue right. to both of them walking over to the board. Yeah, it's, it's very, what you said, Fu, is very true. Like the authors use um, the visual setup of the frame to convey meaning. I'm, I'm not so good at articulating this, but I know that I could see them do it without being able to express it in words, which I, I want to learn how to do. So she took out a book about writing comics. So hopefully I'll be more lucid about this in the future. <laughs> So he says, I've been investigating him for years and I'm as stumped as you. Mm, bad sign. <laughs> you worry some end of a scythe. <laughs> but I do, and it was just also, again, very interesting to me because I also assume like, we'll find out more about Kieran and why he has a personal vendetta, but I really would have assumed he knew more about the leader personally. Well, I guess not. But I do know he carefully plans the death he orders. There's a very specific reason behind each person I'm sent to kill. Generally, they're either close to or supportive of the royal family, or they're trying to betray the Phantom Scythe. Okay, makes sense. And so they go over closer to his murder board, leaderboard, vision board, <laughs> and yeah. say, okay, <laughs> gold board, dream board, Hawaii board. Let's assume the apostles are the closest to the leader. Our best shot at finding him would be to tackle them first. So good reasoning. If anyone knows his identity, it should be one of the four surviving originals. And at this point, Kieran takes the dagger out and starts playing with it. So, you know, like people twirl basketballs on their finger, he's twirling his dagger. <laughs> and he says, yes, except that the apostles' identities are also unknown. Very helpful. And she's like, seriously, how do you guys even function? <laughs> and that's what I'm asking too. How is this so successful? How have they gathered so much support from so many people if they don't know who the leader is or the apostles? So it makes me wonder, like, is the leader a person? Is it a guy? Is it one person? Is it multiple people? Or is it the group of apostles that collectively make up the leader and they just say there's a leader, but actually they're the leader and they just have this phantom, oh, phantom leader, phantom size, phantom leader. I don't know. It's very confusing to me. Mm -hmm. it, it's a bit meta, I think, that moment because like Sophie and F, they want to create mystery. <laughs> for the series and you know um, a good way to create mystery is to have a lot of identities unknown but in Lauren by thing like how do you guys even function when no one really knows the identities is I, I find it meta because like it kind of pokes fun at the whole cliche of not oh. really knowing yeah and Laura with that's something we um we also kind of wonder about like it, it would be a, a twist if they're I don't know if I could say there's no leader, but it, maybe if the leader had kind of switches over time, that might be a theory. Um, but yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, and they always refer to the leader as male, could be female. Right, that's also my, my hidden suspicion because I think there's a specific person, but anyway, well, that's too far ahead. So, so yeah, so he says the hostels are far more traceable than the leader though again, twirling the baton, the baton. He says, each of them has a territory or, is that, or a specific type of operations they're in charge of. She says, I see. And we see in the background, um, we'll actually see that guy, the picture, it looks like Lemmings. Is that him with a long hair? That's the first, no, McTrevor. That's not going to be the first target. So, you know, he has a bunch of people there and he says, in order, so in order to find the head of the operation, we have to start with the people at the bottom. 
you already have a lead actually. And then he takes his dagger, throws it directly past her. <laughs> Lauren looks shocked and he throws it into the picture of presumably the lead that he's gonna talk about, which I didn't actually notice that he was doing that's what he was pointing out until right this second. Mm -hmm. And just and, for clarification, because as I was reading it, um, I, I had a little bit of confusion. So when Lauren says in order to find the head of the operation, um, she's referring to the apostle, not the leader of the Phantom Sites in that particular comment, right? We need to start with the people at the bottom. So that's like someone who's going to lead to the apostle. Especially because he's he pointing at McTrevor, who's on the bottom, you know, before the apostles. So McTrevor is not the apostle. Mm -hmm. okay. um, works for the apostle because Got it. if they knew the identity, then if they knew the identity of this person, then they would have known the identity of the apostle. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Lauren gives him another dead pen there and says, "You do this again, and I'll kill you." <laughs> oh, that's funny. And so he said, Kieran says, I know there's an illegal weapons import ring running right now with ties to the Phantom Sight. It's directed by Apostle 7, one of the original 13. Aha, that's where it's confirmed. I knew, I knew it was confirmed he was, he was original. I didn't know where, but now, okay, now we know. <laughs> Among the people potentially involved, I've identified Gregory McTrevor, and we zoom in on that picture, who's been previously accused of illegal arms trading. Also not surprised that he has a mm -hmm. criminal record. <laughs> I've been watching him for some time now, and I'm honestly surprised Leader hasn't asked me to finish him yet. Which I was surprised when I read that because, like, if he's actually working for you, why would you kill him? But I guess he's nearing the end of his tenure and thus usefulness. And the Phantom Scythe, as we will see, has a history of just getting rid of anyone once they're done with them. Again, not surprising that they're vicious and treat people like they're disposable. Yeah, especially if they're if they're leading like uh he's kind of sloppy he says um yeah which in a little bit yeah so they just want to get rid of him um i had another thought and it left my mind oh I, okay going back just a little bit so kieran had said that they don't know the identities of the apostles so how do they know who's one of the original apostles so apostle seven is one of the original 13 if they don't know who the apostles are, who did? How do they know who's original? Who's not? <laughs> they may not know their identity, but they may know. Oh, number seven is original. Yeah, they probably keep track by numbers. That's my guess. Like, like imagine like number three gets assassinated, and they're like, okay, we need a. They like look at their recruits, and they're like, okay. So, the other day we had another corporate loss and we're going to need someone else to step up and replace them. Do we have any volunteers? <laughs> uh, I honestly find it hard to keep track because it's like seven apostles and four of the original and it's like, so three are in and you know, it's just funny. And then like, but the other one, the 13, you know, the other way. So it's, <laughs> it's just like a little numbers game to keep track of in your head all the time. <laughs> so good. Oh, I can never remember if it's 13 apostles or 12 apostles. Right. <laughs> yeah, I somehow yeah. remember 13, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, um, so the Phantom Scythe is obviously awful, but it's also like a cult because they refer to their leaders as apostles, which evokes like that, that religious imagery, you know, and their, their leader is like ruling with an iron fist. And so fearsome. So yeah, 
bad news yeah, all around. <laughs> they're exalting their mission. They view their mission, at least maybe originally, as you know, a religious imperative, like how it's holy, hmm. which I find incredibly ironic and totally not surprising again. Um, yeah, ideologues. So she says, yes, I've heard of him. He was arrested a couple of times in our precinct. I actually bought him in once. He lawyered up and warmed out of the charges by claiming lack of evidence. So, and, you know, Kieran confirms this. He says he's not the most subtle man ever. Whichever thinks of himself as invisible, but he leaves tracks. So he's going to be our first target. Ta-da. I propose we pay him a little visit and learn more about this operation. We just have to make sure he can't report us later. Oh, I <laughs> know. What? I just, sorry, I just realized I completely missed the line where Lauren was like, yes, I've heard of him. He was arrested a couple of times in our precincts. I actually brought him in once. Um, the line, he lured up and warmed the tread and warmed out of the charges by claiming lack of evidence. Um, it kind of shows how people with money can get away mm-hmm. with things. And yeah. that is a big theme that we do see in this comic, how the poor are villainized for their crimes while the rich get away with it because they have oh. money and that does definitely speak to the world at large mm-hmm. and the world we live in yeah where, sadly where we face it's... issues like mass incarceration mm-hmm. and you know yeah. super big heavy crimes that are just you know that get away that rich people get away with because they're able yep. to bribe their way out of it or lawyer their way out of it mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a really good point and that also shows the hypocrisy of the, the people the members of the phantom scythe so because they're i suppose their goal is to get rid of hierarchies but if they're using their influence and their means to get away with whatever they're trying to get away with that's not that's not going with their original goal right mm-hmm. you know it's interesting because i kind of assumed that it was his private crimes that he was going into court for but yeah it could have been phantom scythe crimes oh could be yeah, I mean, whatever, whether it's his own crimes that he's getting caught on or the Phantom Side crimes, I can understand that the Phantom Side is like, hey, yo, dude, you're not like very good. Like, we have to get rid of you before we really get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, oh, sorry. You're saying that, like, I'm surprised that the leader hasn't asked me to like take care of him yet. It shows how McTrevor is a pretty big liability to the Phantom Side right now. Mm-hmm. So, Lauren surprises us and she says i can't believe i'm gonna say this but why don't you just kill him after we're done with him and this just shows how fast lauren has descended into um uh ambiguous moral territory mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know if she would actually follow through with it but she's asking it. But you know what you know what i find very interesting about this which i find a little sad she's like oh i would never kill me trevor but kieran you're an assassin anyway why don't you kill him it's a it's, it's a little tragic mm-hmm. where she's like you're the bad guy already you already killed people and you're already a murderer i'm not going to get my lily white hands dirty but i'm just going to tell you to do it mm-hmm. it, it kind of shows how like yeah it's how lauren is how lauren is willing to go to immoral means but like in this scene, it kind of makes her seem that, like, she's willing to enable immoral things as long as she's not the one doing it, I guess. She could. That could be. Another interpretation could be that she's, like, surprised to hear him say that we just have to make sure that he can't report us later. Like, oh, you're you're not going to just kill him after we're done? But that's nicer. (laughs) It's a nicer interpretation. (laughs) But I mean, I guess that also shows that one, 
she thought of, she thought about this ahead of time when she decided to team up with him she understood that means that he was mm -hmm. going to kill people and she had to be okay with that yes very true and which will 100% come up later in our infamous chapter <laughs> oh god <laughs> so Kieran gives her a look and this is the first time he's pretty much the first time he's serious this whole time that we've known him he, it's a bit of an angry look um and he says and she he doesn't even say anything at first and she says I mean you're the most fearsome assassin in the city and he mm -hmm. says I only order I only kill when I'm ordered to or if it's the only solution and there are a couple of lines in Purple Hyacinth that reverberate throughout the whole story and that really underline the story and echo in our hearts. And this is one of them for me, um, especially about Kieran. There's a, a couple that really underscore, give us an insight into his morality. And that's what differentiates him from what everyone else thinks about him, where everyone thinks he's a monster. And there's a couple of lines that show us that he isn't. And this is one of them. So I think it's one of the most important lines in the Purple Hyacinth. And going back to the, the shadow and the light, when he says the speech bubbles, I kill only when I'm ordered to, or if it's the only solution is in the shadow part of the frame. We'll find a different way to neutralize McTrevor is in the light side of the frame. Oh yeah, that's another good point about the where the bubbles are. And he's he's also like partially he's mostly in the shadow looks like but he is partially in the lamplight so it like shows the duality that maybe he he holds he's I don't, maybe he struggles with I don't know if he does or not um at this point you know we don't know but it, it shows that there's like he has he could be both <laughs> he can be an assassin but he, he can also be someone who doesn't kill when it's not necessary mm -hmm. um one second sorry I have something to so okay sorry i'm back <laughs> um sorry about that uh so the i kill only when i'm ordered to or if it's the only solution you know i kind of want to draw some parallels to the phantom scythe okay first of all we learned that kieran will try to avoid unnecessary violence or in or extreme forms of violence when when possible but he's not completely closed off to it and the I kill only when I'm ordered to is sort of the it's the only solution for him if he wants to survive I assume because like in episode five we did see some panels of torture and so it is and because it's Kieran looking at the um chair and it was Kieran who seemed to be reminiscing it is um possible and more likely that those scenes of torture are um from Kieran's own history and his own past. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the I kill only when I'm ordered to is he does these murders out of survival for himself and out of self-preservation. And so doing these murders for the PS is his only solution if he wants to stay alive and out of harm. And then the only solution is, it kind of reminds me of the Phantom Scythe because, um, when you think of you only have like this one solution it kind of gives you feelings of desperation and that is what the phantom scythe has been alluded to be as a group of desperate people who are resorting to violence and that is so it kind of just um mirrors here in a bit i guess but 
they, that the Pandemic Society sees violence as and murder as the only solution. Yeah. Laura, there's something, but Laura, what Lauren does next actually can hearken to what your interpretation of Lauren's statement, because she is, gives a very surprised look. She's surprised to hear him say that. And then she smiles. She looks very happy to hear that. So I guess that would align more with what you were saying before. And she says, I might have a plan. Smile. <laughs> and it's a really cool perspective because like the dagger is in the foreground, but it's blurred out and they're in the background. Kieran's still looking intense over his moral stance. And that's where it ends. Let's make it spicy. And uh, we have a combat instructor credited here, which is cute. Mm -hmm. I love the panel of Lauren being like, I might have a plan because like the perspective of the dagger, it makes us feel like where the photo that I was like pointed mm. at and now we're like you know we're a bit scared I guess it gives us a feeling <laughs> of like a bit of intimidation and you know just looking at it you the suspense of what will happen next is overwhelming <laughs> and they're both in the shadows again they're mostly in the shadows mm. <laughs> I think the authors are like mystery <laughs> like the perfect but most annoying way to end that the episode <laughs> the dagger is half light half shadows oh yeah. Yeah. And I, as you were talking, Fruit, um, I remembered also in an earlier episode, I don't remember which one, when Kieran said, and I have no regrets. And that was in red when he was talking mm -hmm. about killing people. So, yeah, I think this ties really well with um, the, a couple panels previously. I kill only when I'm ordered to, or if it's the only solution, we'll find a different way. And like here in this last panel, he's still really serious looking. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the dagger is half light, half shadows. There's a lot of, I'm assuming he has some conflict about, about this. Mm -hmm. He stopped smiling. Um, if we scroll up a little bit, he stopped smiling after Lauren suggested the killings mm -hmm. and just killing them. So the issue is obviously pretty somber for him. And I don't think Lauren quite realizes because she's still, she still smiles in this uh, for the couple panels after she suggests it, like, She's shocked by, she's a little surprised by his answer and she's happy with it. But here she is. She's um, in the last panel, she's smiling because she, she, uh, she has the plan. But I think Karen is still thinking about, uh, you know, the uh, murders. Yeah, and it could be also that this is an opportunity for Lauren to see Karen as more of a person. Because um, when she, when they were fighting, when she first caught up with him, she called him like, you know, scum, you're a monster and like really was dehumanizing him. So his response maybe helped her see him in a different light. Mm -hmm. I think, and I think, I think this is so early on. She still hasn't gotten the, like she hasn't reshifted her brain to think of him as a person. I mean, like now we're like 91 episodes in and she, she's very different in her behavior towards him. But at this point, you know, she hasn't gotten there yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, not surprising. It's it's hard to you have a, a conception in your mind, and I mean a very 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 bad conception, and then you're meeting the person for the first time, literally day two, I guess. So yeah, she can fall in love with him, but she can't know who he is yet. Maybe so. <laughs> you are hell bent on getting them together. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? You know, I'll, I'll give you my honest to God opinion. I don't know if they'll end up being romantically involved, but I definitely see them being good friends. Mm -hmm. So yeah, even I, I say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, 
don't know. I in the coming episodes, I I adore their dynamic and their banter and just the way they interact. Uh, they definitely do have the potential for a true friendship, but because of their circumstances, I'm a bit um, hesitant when it comes to romance. Same. I, I just don't really know if Lauren would ever be able to or even want to pursue a romantic relationship with Kieran because like you know stuff happens neither of them seem to me to really be looking for that in their life I mean the fact that Lauren went on a date is a little iffy to me but I guess it was her uncle you know encouraging her to do that but they both of them seem to be very very occupied with other things Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't seem to be what they're looking for in their life right now at all if if there was a romance it would be purely coincident or purely Mm -hmm. accidental (laughs) and I don't think I think if one of them did fall in love, they would probably hate it because they would know that there is not, that because of their situation, there is not really a great ending for them um, if they did want to be romantic. Plus, I think if Kieran was the one who realized that he fell first, oh God, there would be so much angst. I totally think Kieran will be the one though based on I have evidence to back this up just saying but okay well we can discuss that at a different time because that definitely has not happened yet <laughs> but I think honestly I think Kieran is the one like between the two of them he's the one looking for less romance like maybe Lauren has it in the back of her mind like maybe she's interested in finding someone because like she did find that she did have the date and while it was encouraged by her uncle maybe she was just like fine and she's because she she's open to it but Kieran like he's an assassin and I don't think he expects to live another year so like I don't think romance is what he really is looking for what he really wants and what he wants and something that he doesn't even want to get close to I don't think he wants it I think he needs it and I don't and and this is where I go between I don't think it necessarily has to be romance he definitely needs yeah intimacy and that could be close friendship also but he's so alone and he like Lauren needs it less because she has friends and family. And he doesn't. I I don't I think Kieran needs friends. I don't think he needs romance in his life, but I think he needs people who are compassionate to him and compassion and people that he can be open with and he doesn't have to have a facade with and just you know, like genuine friends. I think that's what he needs. That's a really good point that he probably doesn't expect to live super long like what is the life expectancy of an assassin working for the phantom site probably not super probably not super long but yeah oh boy that that could i don't know maybe that could be part of the reason why he wants to take down the leader because he wants to live i don't know oh so a lot of people actually speculate that look kieran thinks this is a suicide mission for him and he's willing to do that because he he hates the leader so much for whatever personal reason which again we don't know but anyway but that again, speculation on that also gives us whatever. I have more details that are outside of future twelve. So I mean, if Kieran is willing to die for this cause, he's willing to do it for the greater good. And we do see um, it kind of reflects him in his career as an assassin. Like he's willing to do these terrible things um, for the ends to maybe be better than current times. Because again, do the ends justify the means? Um, he's willing to put himself through all of this for the hopeful betterment of the world. And so, oh, 
So when I tell this to my husband, he looks at me like I'm nuts. He's like, how are you justifying murder like this? He's like, poor Kieran, he has to murder these people. He's accepting upon himself. And I'm like, yes, it sounds crazy, but just listen. <laughs> Anywho, do y'all have any final thoughts to wrap this up? Um, I don't know. I really like the art in this episode. <laughs> the lighting, the line art. Uh, it's it's not the current style of PH and I just I don't know I feel nostalgic returning to it because like I've been reading PH for a long time and like I was around when this updated for the first time so it's it's kind of weird returning to it yeah the art definitely has has developed mm-hmm. yeah it's I agree it's definitely art, beautiful lighting and this episode has a lot of action in it and that's something that they so often have excel at movement and action and a lot of exposition and it doesn't feel super like it doesn't feel like it's dumping on us yes it does come a bit all at once but it doesn't feel super heavy and um it feels natural in the story like it would only this is only the natural course of events that we would eventually learn this information like this yeah, which yeah, was set up really nicely in the previous chapter, in the previous episode. Kieran was like, ugh, we have all this stuff to talk about, but it's going to be so boring. So let's fire. Worthy audience through Kieran's mouth. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think I think actually the fight scene, besides for entertaining Kieran, was 100% meant to entertain us as well. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my last thought is I just noticed uh, I, so I'm caught up, well, I, I don't fast pass, but I'm caught up otherwise with um, Purple Hyacinth. But I just noticed as I was going through this chapter, how pale Lauren is. Holy moly, she is so, like, she looks sickly. <laughs> she's super pale. Yeah, yeah I she's like that all the time, Laura. Shirt. Like, what the heck? Like, get some sleep, go get some food, which I guess is kind of a recurring thing. <laughs> like, Lauren, sleep, eat. Mm-hmm. She is incredibly pale. <laughs> Like, that right, the whole comic she's always the like the palest person in the room so i'm mm-hmm. assuming it's her skin tone besides the fact that she probably doesn't get out in the sun ever <laughs> but like i guess art hollis has mild winters that was confirmed by the author um but like she's a police officer you'd think that she'd be out outside doing things all the time maybe she works more night shifts i don't know i guess but all the shifts all the shifts we've seen of her have been during the day. So I'm like, Lauren. That's true. <laughs> how, but also like, how much sunscreen does she need? Like to not sunburn. Maybe she's a vampire. And this is really a monster novel after all. <laughs> that would be the twist. <laughs> Anywho, thank you so, so much for coming on. This was fun as usual. Fun, funny and i'm good <laughs> thank you thanks thank for you having, for having us. us yeah thanks so much and thanks for coming in last minute food i appreciate it no problem um i can't believe i didn't sign up for this episode before there's just so many good nuggets of information well so i'm glad you were here then yeah so glad you can make it mm-hmm. okay thanks thank so much me. bye yeah thanks have a good night good night you too bye Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Alley Cat, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, 
Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, and Alexa. Your support is much appreciated. Thank <sharp inhale> you.